This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Would you feel comfortable going into a classroom and teaching? Um, would I feel comfortable? Um, you know, it's tough because I've not been in that situation. What's your recommendation? You know, I, I'm not going to make a recommendation now except to say that these are things that we really do. I mean, literally every day, Dano, we look at that. We look at the data. We look at what's evolving about how many people are getting vaccinated. Uh, last spring, President Biden cited Andrew Cuomo as the gold standard uh, for leadership during the pandemic. President Biden still consider Andrew Cuomo the gold standard when it comes to leadership on the pandemic? Well, John, we work with Governor Cuomo just like we work with governors across the country. He's also chair of the NGA, so uh, he's played an important role. Mayday, Mayday, United uh, 28. Man, I look forward to a May Day, Alice. I am done with winter. I am done with February, as my wife likes to say. <laughs> it has Just, an R there. <laughs> there are February kind of people, and it's always a good way to <clears throat> to uh, forecast somebody's personality type. February. That's how you say the name of the month. Right. I know. <laughs> you, you know, there's also, I like Tucker Carlson, let me watch the show. But there is something about somebody who says rather, rather than rather. And Tucker, Tucker says rather. That's the yeah. kind of well, guy. Well, his name is Tucker Carlson, and he's famous for wearing bow ties. So I right, mean, that's like- exactly <laughs> uh, when you get a bow tie. Except for um, Mr. Toast, I think I say for rather Archie, also. Except for our, our Mr. Toast, who is married to Toast, who's our friend. Mm-hmm. Um, people I with like bow, Tucker, bow ties I- are problematic. I went through a bow tie phase too. 
<clears throat> I like Tucker, and I like his bow ties, and I like his rothers. But you know what? It occurs to me, and if you don't know who Toast is, Toast is, uh, she follows us on Twitter as well. We follow her, too. Yeah, and you can just type in Toast. I don't know how you find her, but you can follow her, and she's mm -hmm. very cool. But she's, you know what? Maybe we're going to have to rethink this, because she's um, a, she's got class. Mm -hmm. So, And she rides a horse. That's right, yeah. right? Yeah. So she the horse horses. riding set. Those are people with panache. So mm -hmm. maybe she sees some. Maybe, and maybe she, you know, I, I'm gonna have to trust her filter on this stuff. But so yes, February, rather, mm -hmm. Tucker says with his floppy waspy hair and um, his accent. By the way, I have met Tucker just once, and uh, I, I'm sure we've interviewed him, but I, in person just once, on a remote broadcast this is a long in 2006 in new hampshire for was it 2006 when was the real it was 2000 no re-election would have been 2004 2000, 2008 i guess okay um i was helping out the howie car show and we had tucker come on and he was a absolute sweet guy like an and no no airs whatsoever he was just a, just a, like a really nice guy one of the mm -hmm. like effusively moment immediately disarming nice nice guys and no attitude whatever he we had we had all sorts of equipment in the booth etc so he had to like jump over the back of the booth to get in which he did without even batting yeah. an eye but that at that point he was really not in demand i think he'd maybe already been on dancing with the stars and yeah because the show didn't really start until <clears throat> around the time of the trump election right no but yeah but he had worked for every other well yeah he, he I was mean, a, people a knew who he was yeah. but he wasn't uh, he wasn't the Tucker king Carlson. of cable TV news no. like he is now. I mean, he has, you know, he goes back and forth with Hannity a little, but like the best rated show on cable news. Uh, Have they recovered their ratings? Uh, I don't know if Fox is totally back in the ratings, um, but I think, I don't know. I'll check on that and let you know. Um, so where are we? I got. I got to stop doing this. By the way, that Mayday call was from that United flight where the engine burned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh. where they were dropping bits of debris onto suburban yeah. neighborhoods. Yeah. And um, my mother was a flight attendant and used to talk about uh, the losing engines all the time, and there'd be lightning strikes and this and that, and how like even these big planes could essentially run on one engine. And it was. It's interesting because um, because. The, these flight attendants, they take so many, mm -hmm. they have so many, they log so many hours, they take so many trips, et cetera, that, oh, wait, actually, actually, speaking of toast, we have a, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to out him, but a good, uh, another friend who's a pilot. Um, but, um, so it's not a big deal, really. Actually, we, I should have called him. Damn it. Alice, we should have called him about this. When something airplane-y happens again, we're going to call him. Okay. Okay. I don't want to out him just in case he's trying to be employed again and can be associated with uh you know somebody who bl still mm -hmm. believes in free speech um but uh yeah that flight was going where was it going to was it in denver was it going to hawaii what was it going to this united flight was in the air and the engine burst in the flames and all sorts of pieces of the engine fell over the the uh country and you do hear the these guys just ice water in the veins like from uh who was the, the uh miracle in the hudson guy Sullenberger? Sullenberger, who we talked to. Um, to this captain. They like they just keep it together and I love it. I love these guys how damn cool they are. B twenty eight, uh heavy with experience engine failure, you need a turn. Mayday, Mayday, United uh, twenty eight 
328 Heavy, Mayday, Mayday aircraft. Uh, 328 Heavy, say again, please, we need all that again. Yeah, United, Denver, uh, departure United, 328 Heavy, Mayday aircraft, uh, just experienced a uh, engine failure, need a turn immediately. Yeah, 328 left or right turn? Uh, left turn. Mayday, Mayday, United 328 Heavy. Uh, in Tom Shattuck language, when he's a pilot, it would be, Oh my God, the effing engine's on fire, Jesus, oh my God. Over the intercom, too. So that I would absolutely let the passengers know that we're screwed, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just, they just, you know, very matter-of-factly say this stuff, and it's absolutely cool. I have a trivia question for you, Alice. Okay. If a pilot says um, over the intercom or on the wire, anybody who's a pilot right now is going to so take it. And you can get it. Where can they email us? Uh, BarnBarrelPodcast at gmail.com. Okay. What does it mean when the pilot says easy victor? Easy victor? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. So think about... Um, I mean, is Victor the one the for like when you do like Foxtrot Alpha? Exactly. That it's like that. Exactly. Okay. So Victor means what? V. Right. And easy means. E. Right. So what does EV mean? Uh, I don't know what EV means. Evacuate. Oh. Exactly. They've got all sorts of cool codes. Hmm. Um, it used to be a hospital one that was calling patient zero. Did you know about that? No. Patient zero used to mean that there was a fatality. Oh. Somebody had died or was dying or whatever in the hospital. Jesus, mm-hmm. this is, uh, we've taken the. Yeah, speaking of. Unforeseen exit. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, go ahead. Which go ahead. Tom, uh, as he is wanted to do on the weekends, was uh, perusing Craigslist free stuff and saw some plates that somebody was giving away and went to go. Some people go to Tiffany's. <laughs> Uh, Shreve Crump and so, Lowe, some people peruse <laughs> Craigslist free stuff, which so is how you know you've made it. So very cute decorative plates that he was all excited. He went to go pick them up. and Hold they... on. Before we go any okay. further, I need to defend myself here because, Alice, <laughs> there are the kind of people who say February, and there are the kind of people who are combing through Craigslist free stuff as well. <laughs> so I need to, okay, I need to get ahead, in front of this, Alice. Mm-hmm. I am looking for odd and weird stuff. Um, which I like. So we have like a big stuffed elephant in the house and mm-hmm. not a big stuffed elephant. It's whatever. But I just like interesting things. Yeah. So for instance, although this wasn't free, we've got a big Chicago sign. It looks like one of the Chicago theaters downstairs. And I like quirky stuff. It's interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And I like it also for free because our uh, disposable income <laughs> is... Uh... <laughs> okay. So anyway. Right. So, but, but, so, okay. But so in specifically... I've been looking for, my daughter need, had asked for a dresser yesterday. Mm-hmm. So, much like Ted Cruz, mm-hmm. I'm using my daughter to explain why I mm-hmm. had to go perusing for uh, plateware and Craigslist free stuff. So, there you go. Go ahead. So, he comes back home and hands me the bag of plates, which are wrapped in um, tissue paper, inside a hospital patient belongings bag. So, needless to say, I was completely wigged out by this because this means that somebody passed away and yes. that's why we are getting free plates right now. And it just, it made me very nervous. Right. And I was, and I could be, just from my own parents being hospitalized, I saw this thing from a mile away. They, they actually said, okay, Tom, your stuff will be out front in a green bag. 
And as I was driving there, I thought, what kind of green bag will it be? <laughs> I was interested. I thought, I mean, are they, is this going to be an upper scale? Like a scale? green tote bag? Yeah, I mean, like... this is interesting. And there were two par- parcels there. Mm-hmm. One was in a white bag. And then was one was in the personal effects of the deceased person bag, which is where but they put the I, stuff I got. But I like so, I don't know if I can like sleep in the same house as them. I know. Well, and say tell them even more. That's what's more off putting. What? Oh. <laughs> yeah, these are like these are like Some decorative bowls. Had crumbs on them. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm scared. If you have advice on um, how to handle exercising evil spirits from dishware um, yes please yes <laughs> send uh, it along burn barrel <laughs> rhoda hedgecock <laughs> had just finished her after eights from the very plate that because we are when she uh went i'm up. kind of horrified and i don't know what to do with the plates now did so. you ask people to exercise the plates yes <laughs> yeah so that's the i'm risk. afraid so um yeah i'm then that's yeah a that's, little uncomfortable when you are when you're <clears throat> That's the that's the circle of people that hang out in Craigslist free stuff, uh, Alice, and it's a roll of the dice. And sometimes you get sometimes a very... you get something great, and sometimes you get inserted into somebody's family tragedy. Right, and so now we have um, Ethel's DNA sitting down <laughs> in our kitchen, which is excellent. And although one good thing I liked about it was one of the kids was there for the, when we discovered this, <laughs> and now he's afraid of that bowl, which we may make it so that we can have a bowl of something without a kid. Coming in, uh, taking in, stealing it. Okay. <laughs> so that's our scary story of the week. Okay, let's get um, to. I want Fox I'm a, News okay. ratings. Uh, the most recent ones from Thursday night. Tucker Carlson was at three point oh six one. Anderson Cooper at the same time was one point nine five one, and Hayes was two point two oh eight. So Hannity's taken more of a hit. Hannity's 3.118. Cuomo is 2.053. And Maddow is 3.468. So Maddow's beating Hannity, but Carlson still reigns supreme, basically. Well, and if you look at the popularity of the of Trump with the country and the fact that still most Republicans think that Trump won the election, um, that um, that it, it, it does make sense. I mean, mm-hmm. it, Newsmax and OAN swept in right when they... They right. took advantage of the opportunity because they're true believers over on those networks, mm-hmm. and so that's what you got. But but, but um, the uh, competition is good, I believe. So uh, so Anthony Fauci was on 143 TV shows this weekend. You probably saw a few of them. I actually, really, honest to God, watched Meet the Press, the, the Jake Tapper thing, whatever that Face is, State, the of, the Union, State, State of, the of the Union, State of the Union, and um, Fox News Sunday, and Fauci was on all three. <laughs> and uh, how does he have time? Doesn't he have a four hundred thousand dollar a year job that he has to do? No, no, <laughs> he's not really employed. He just goes to. He definitely is the kind of guy who has makeup with him, pancake makeup now, mm-hmm. and whatever else he needs. So here he is. So so once again, and now I'm sick of saying this. Mm-hmm. The man is an incompetent man, unless he's not. And I've I've heard from some good, including some conservatives, saying no, 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 he's not incompetent whatsoever. What he says is evolving with the information. And if he's not incompetent, then we need to get rid of this, the whatever agency he works for and all of the experts in it. Because all they've done is disseminate incorrect information. Right. Sometimes purposefully. Is it purposefully or purposely? Uh, either, I think. Okay. Either, I say. By the way. Um, um, like you can do it purposely means on purpose and purposefully means, you know, in a purposeful way. 
okay. like, with purpose, I would say. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So I this is this question from Chuck Todd to, to Anthony Fauci is really neither here nor there. I just simply wanted to see if Fauci would answer it. So here's a straightforward question. Alice, you have been, I believe, pregnant previously. Yes. Several times. Several times. Four. Yes. Yes. And so you had to take prenatal vitamins and do prenatal Mm -hmm. stuff. And in fact, there are a lot of pregnant women around. Mm -hmm. Many women, many mothers have been pregnant. Mm -hmm. This country is wall to wall with either people who are pregnant or have been pregnant. Mm -hmm. Or will be soon. Right. So they are not an asterisk. These are uh, uh, these are. People um, who matter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Chuck Todd asked Fauci a straight-on question mm-hmm. about the vaccine and pregnant women. I want to ask you about pregnant women because I've had a lot of viewers ask me to ask you about this because there's some confusion. We know Pfizer's studying it. Uh, I've talked to other experts who said, hey, you know, uh, pregnant women should get vaccinated. They shouldn't fear this vaccine. What, what say you? Mm-hmm. What say you? Should pregnant women take it? $417,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Very much credentialed, mm-hmm. wholly respected, Nobel Prize, time man of the century. <laughs> you know, he just got a, another like $100,000 or something, some prize for... Israel gave him a prize for right. something. Is it, yeah. Yes. And we just have... We have now, if you don't mind, a medical question. This one's <laughs> not about how we're, we can't do uh, Thanksgiving and our mask wearing... And uh, how we're responsible for spikes. So the question for a doctor. You know, the, the issue is that pregnant women, we have not been formally tested in a trial for safety and efficacy. That is being done now. We will get an answer for it. However, following the EUA from both Moderna and Pfizer, thousands of women have elected to get vaccinated despite the fact that they're pregnant. Many of them were actually healthcare providers who felt that the risk of COVID on their pregnancy was far greater than the risk of the vaccine giving a deleterious effect. And as a matter of fact, right now, we don't see any red flag signals among those thousands of people who have gotten vaccinated while pregnant. The answer to should pregnant women take the vaccine mm-hmm. from the epidemiologist guy who does vaccines for a living <coughs> for pregnant mm-hmm. women listening right now? What is the answer? Um, it hasn't been studied, but some people have and there's no red flags. Right. Can, can we get something a little bit? Is there somebody else we can ask? I mean, How I about- would say personally. I would get it, but well, that's okay. good. And that's you've been pregnant. There's something that's more of but an answer because I you feel make, like what he said that like you work in a warehouse and do not make four hundred seventeen thousand right. dollars. Right, you make so that's marginally less. That's I'd my say. view. Like I agree with what he said. Some people feel like I think that COVID is risky. Like there is an unknown with COVID, and there's an unknown with the vaccine. But we know that the vaccine doesn't just kill people outright within a couple of weeks. So. That's a plus, you know, like they both we don't know what the long term effects of either are the effects on pregnancy. But I know that, like, I'm not going to suffocate in a 
on a ventilator from the vaccine. Right, I understand. So that's my view. I agree with that, but I agree that it's not a very uh, no concise answer that he gave. What does that answer do? It does nothing. Uh, we don't. We haven't. We haven't really looked at it yet. Uh, some other people are taking it though. <laughs> no? Good luck. I mean, this is a this is a question. Half of the anti-vaxxer movement is due to, you know, this uh, apocryphal study years ago that that vaccinations were leading to autism in kids, right? Mm-hmm. So you'd think that this is something you might want to nip in the bud fairly quickly, especially with a pandemic yeah, where we're trying to get to herd immunity. But all their messaging has just been a gift to anti-vaxxers. It's the worst. Like this stuff, for example, where they have been saying for months that they're not sure if it stops transmission, even though it would be really, really weird for a vaccine to keep you from getting sick and not to prevent at least some transmission. Right. Um, And we know that six months from now, he'll be saying that's something we felt we had to say mm -hmm. just to make sure that people don't let down their guard. Right. Right, but it's turning out now there's been two big studies now that have shown that there's 90% efficacy against transmission. It prevents 90% of transmission to get the vaccine as well. So now can we go hug our grandparents? Well, I don't know. We still might have to see here. But but yeah, they don't want us to think that it stops this stuff because they want to make sure people continue to wear masks. But they have no idea. I'm like, do they not talk to people that are vaccine hesitant? Because I do. And what I hear those people say is, well, Fauci said it doesn't even stop transmission. So what's the good in that? We're still going to have to all wear masks because we still can't go anywhere. We're still going to all have to get COVID tested all the time. So what's the point? Why would I even get the vaccine? It doesn't even keep you from getting it. It doesn't even keep you from giving it to your loved ones. Why would I get that vaccine? So maybe they should stop saying crazy stuff like that. That's like really unlikely to be true and just say like, like, you know, we don't have an exact number on how effective it's going to be against transmission yet. But, yeah, they should be saying, like, throw yourself an I got vaccinated party with all your vaccinated friends and have a great time. They should absolutely be playing it up because we know it's a really effective and really safe vaccine. And, you know, are just like I've looked at it pretty thoroughly because like a lot of people, I was nervous, too, you know, because it was developed so quickly. But, you know, the. The numbers are really good, and millions and millions of people have gotten it now, and the numbers are still really good. I mean, like, they're showing the Israeli data is, like, incredible. It's, like, 93% effective against any symptoms and 100% effective against deaths, and they have the bad strains there. Their dominant strain right now is that B117 strain that's more infectious. So... I mean, that's incredible. And they've vaccinated millions and millions of people. Like, yes, some people will have allergic reactions, et cetera, et cetera. But overall, the vaccine is much, 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 much less risky than getting COVID. Right. I, I, I like, I mean, I just, the more I look at it, the more I go like, yeah, of course I would get this vaccine. Like, it just, the data looks incredible. Right. Frankly. So there's actually a writer for the New York Times of all papers who tweeted something about this that I thought mm-hmm. was, was a student. It's exactly what we're talking about. So why so much skepticism, he tweets? Think about all the negative things you've heard about the vaccines. They aren't 100% effective. Vaccinated people may be contagious. The virus variants may make everything worse. Mm -hmm. And the last one is, don't change your behavior even if you get a shot. You're right. They're absolutely incredible because because they won't freaking level with the American people, which is a terrible thing. It's terrible, terrible. It's counterproductive. Mm -hmm. God, but they're so... Arrogant. That's what I. 
I hate about this. Yeah. I hate about this is that they say to each other one thing and they say to us something else. Yeah. And it's not like it's not as though they were saying like we think it's probably pretty effective against transmission, but we have to wait for the studies to 100 percent tell you so, because then people would take that information and make a decision and maybe not wear a mask, you know, but they decided that they don't want. You know, if you if you start to say people who are vaccinated don't have to wear a mask, then that erodes all mask enforcement everywhere, because all you have to say when somebody hassles you in a store is, oh, I got the vaccine, you know, and then they'll have to leave you alone because you can't be infectious if you got the vaccine. Right. So. Right. Um, so then really nobody has to wear a mask because anybody who doesn't want to wear a mask can just say they got the vaccine. And that's what they don't want to happen. So they're just, <laughs> you know, they're just saying like you know, worst case scenario being like this so that they can continue enforcing mask mandates everywhere, even as more and more people get vaccinated. And even as as everybody who's been paying attention to the data actually knew was going to happen, we are now on an absolute huge drop off the precipice of the number of cases and deaths that are occurring. It's like cut in half over the last month or so since the peak of like 4,000 deaths a day. We're now down around 2,000 deaths a day in the United Mm -hmm. States. And that's that's the natural cycle of the way these waves have come. I saw somebody comparing it to the 1918 flu pandemic. Right. And and it's like the same curves on the same timeline. We had a curve in the spring that sort of happened more so in the summer in the southern states. And then we had a second wave um, that followed the same shape but bigger in the winter, which is exactly what happened in 1918. That's the Thanksgiving wave? Are you suggesting the correlations there for Thanksgiving No, Christmas? I'm suggesting the correlation is there for how diseases run their course in a population. Right. So this Thanksgiving and Christmas stuff was just another way right. to try to coerce people mm-hmm. into behaving the way they want yeah. them to. These things might make a little bit of a difference at the margins. I mean, maybe they do. Sure, do what you feel safe doing. Listen to the recommendations. Go for it. But there's no evidence whatsoever that these things at a social level have made any difference. Look at how locked down California has been compared to Florida. And they're at like the same number of per capita deaths. There's no, Why is one, why are they the same when Florida has banned outdoor dining and Florida has been essentially completely open with no mask mandates the whole time. Could it be that people decide how much guidance to follow and do the stuff that makes a difference for them in their lives and then they go about their business and the disease just does what it's going to do? Maybe it does. You know, I, I don't know, but we don't necessarily understand how this thing has spread and it hasn't followed any of the things that people said it was going to do. You know, did did people over November and December wear masks a lot less than they did in January and all of a sudden they all started wearing masks in January so the disease went down is it did that happen and I missed it because it seems to me that we were all wearing the same amount of masks pretty much the whole time like it doesn't seem like that's what made the difference so but anyway good news it's going down for right now if enough people get vaccinated etc etc you know there's a possibility going in to the spring that we won't have that third wave like we had of the 1918 flu that was, you know, not as bad as the second wave, like roughly the size of that first wave. And, you know, we might we might have a small third wave, but maybe with all this vaccination that's happening, we'll knock it out. I mean, for all that we hear about what a terrible job everything's doing on the vaccination, like it's really it's not that terrible. We're not we can't all be Israel. Israel is like blowing away the world with their vaccination plans but um but you know the united states is doing a israel pretty Alice, good job 
Israel. They're, they're vaccinating really, really well. I know who they're vaccinating. Israel is reporting that they vaccinated half of their population. And I'm going to guess it's the Jewish half. <laughs> That's a very funny SNL, you know, uh, taking another yeah, shot at Israel. Seems, um, yes. Uh, um, yeah. Yes. But that is uh, SNL saying something that I would say it seems a little bit... Um, uh, libelous? Could we? Say? Well, I mean, I by the the ju- by the filter of twenty twenty one and twenty twenty, if if generalities are bigoted, that would be anti semitic. Well, it's also um, you know, or certainly anti Zionist. Certainly, um, it's also not true um, that you know anyone who's a resident of Israel is eligible for their vaccinations. There's been some back and forth about the West Bank, about people who don't technically live in Israel who have not wanted to be under the Israeli government and have their own health care through the Palestinian Authority and uh, and have wanted to have their own health care through the Palestinian Authority. And Israel said, we're not responsible to vaccinate those people because we're not in charge of their health care and they're not technically in our country. And... Um, and so there's been some debate about that. But after some back and forth, they've agreed to donate thousands. And in all, over the time that they, um, you know, over the amount of time that we're talking about, they've agreed to donate like millions of vaccines to them, even though they don't have to. And the Palestinian Authority has access to their own vaccines through COVAX, which is that like vaccine sharing program for poor countries that like the rich countries donate vaccines into and the poor countries get them, including, by the way, Canada, which decided to take advantage of the COVAX vaccines because they are not producing enough on their own because something I don't know what's going on in Canada, but I don't know. I read a thing today that the United States is now vaccinating more people per day than Canada has vaccinated in total this whole time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, not going that well north of the border, uh, but, you know, it's going pretty well here. It's going fast, um, you know, with hiccups, obviously, and with differences in opinion on the vaccination schemes. Ron DeSantis is embroiled in this scandal in Florida because he's chosen to uh, vaccinate elderly people first, which is a Republican constituency. So they feel he's rewarding his own voters by vaccinating rich people first. Oh, yes, I saw that. I I mean, he's not vaccinating rich people first intentionally, but he's vaccinating older people first, which has that impact. So but that also has the impact of reducing deaths quite a lot. So uh, I don't know. Debatable. Different strategies for different people, but uh, it's going well. Uh, Massachusetts even has come around. We're no longer like 40th. We're in like the top 10 of states for vaccinations now. And Massachusetts is now opened up to people over 65 and people with two or more comorbidities. So, you know, comorbidities, Sally asks, um, they are uh, things that together with coronavirus can cause death if you have both at once. So like if you have heart disease or if you have cancer or these other things, then you're at risk of dying. You're at more risk of dying for COVID because you have comorbidities. Go ahead, Alice. Um, so I gotta do something for work. Here. Anyway, that's um most of my vaccine news. But um, yeah, I mean, it, 
On the other hand, uh, Biden is taking like full credit for the vaccine. He even said in his town hall last week that they didn't even have a vaccine until he came into office. He said a bunch of different times there was absolutely no plan to get the vaccines out there, even though, you know, Trump was vaccinating. We hit a million people a day on vaccines before Biden took office. So somehow, somehow, even with the uh, no non-existent plan that was there. We seem to be vaccinating quite a lot of people. So this is Biden on that very subject. And we'll get back to Fauci after that. All right, T-Dog, where is this? Here we go. Chemists, biologists, pioneering technologies that less than a year ago were little more than theories and aspirations. And it takes a partnership, in our view, between the federal government and all the companies and universities contributing to the vaccine effort. Just over four weeks ago, America had no real plan to vaccinate most of the country. My predecessor, as my mother would say, God love him, failed to order enough vaccines, <laughs> failed to mobilize the effort. His mother, uh, Antoinette Fauci? To administer the shots, failed to set up vaccine centers. That changed the moment we took office. I directed Jeff Science, my COVID-19 response coordinator, to lead my administration's work with the vaccine manufacturers to buy more vaccines and to speed up delivery. So, I mean, this is every no one's buying this. In, you know, if you're kind of a lightweight level um, mm-hmm. enthusiast for Democrats or Biden fan, maybe you'll take this as truth or whatever. But it's just yeah. a rewrite of really what happened. Under the um, right, I mean, when Biden ordered more vaccines, he exercised clauses in contracts that Trump negotiated with the companies. Right, so this isn't like uh, whatever. It's yeah, stupid. no, the whole understand. thing is just dumb. It is. We, we were at just dumb right we before. We were doing right an okay job before, and we're getting better now. Like I don't I had to. Jesus, right before. But yeah, I mean, we were doing a decent job vaccinating, and we're doing better now. And it, you know, it's interesting there. Are, Many parts of the world, including, I mean, the entire, like, third world, uh, but also, like, places like Europe that are really struggling to do as well as we have been doing with the vaccines. So, you know, take it or leave it, I guess. All right, let's get to Anthony Fauci. Hmm. Parents want to know uh, the answers to some questions. Can Fauci answer any questions? What level of risk is an unvaccinated teacher taking uh, right now um, by going uh, into a reopened school? You know, Chuck, you cannot give a, a numerical figure to that. You can't say what is the ri- what is the, the risk. Give can't be answered. Oh, you figure you we, we booked the right guy, right? I mean, mm-hmm. can't answer it. <sighs> well, and it's funny because they've like predicated the whole teachers returning to school thing on like layers of risk, right? right. Like, okay, well. Being vaccinated is good, but like washing hands is good and masking is good and distancing is good and, you know, having these protocols is good, et cetera, et cetera. And testing is good and tracing is good. And if you have them all, then it's really good. So they're like, okay, so it'll never be zero risk, but how risky is it if we have everything else but just not the vaccine? And they're like, hmm, okay. I don't know. Yeah, no, can't. Yeah, can't answer that one. No. Yeah, it's almost as if we pay these guys to know <laughs> me a number. I mean, obviously, being in school is very similar to being in the community. So the risk of a of a of a teacher getting infected in the school. This is taken right from the teachers' unions' mm-hmm. um, arguments right here. 
Yeah. You know, it's community spread, so it's very similar. Although it wouldn't be, because if you're in a building in a school, you've got 26 adults and 114 kids. Those kids generally are not a risk. You would think so. Is very likely very much similar to what you would see in the community, but we don't know that yet. You see, they haven't. The grocery store is not like what it is in the community, and mm-hmm. they get greenlit. Done those. Of course, they don't have the representation that the teachers have. Kind of prospective studies where you can quantitate and make a decision based on this number is here and that number is there. Because the data get fuzzy when you try to compare what happens when you're not in the school versus when you are in the school. This guy is a flim flam man. That is all he is. This is horse bleep. This is absolute manicured, cultivated horse bleep. Would you feel comfortable going into a classroom and teaching? Now, this should be easy. Because this is his, this is a, a question that is, is it subjective? This is an opinion question. Mm-hmm. Would you feel comfortable? That's all right. it is. There's no wrong answer in this one. <laughs> um, would I feel comfortable? Um, you know, it's tough because I've not been in that situation. I could tell you I have a daughter who I adore who is actually doing just that right now as we speak in a city far from Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I understand. So he can't provide answers on stuff that's dependent on situations he's not been in. <laughs> I know. He seemed to be okay telling us all what to do all year, including things he hasn't yes. done. So. He wasn't, uh, you know, carrying a crock pot into my Aunt Millie's house <laughs> uh, before, but he knew we couldn't do that. That absolutely he knew we couldn't do. Right. He knew that we couldn't, you know, be near loved ones. He knew that we couldn't have a normal Christmas with a degree of normality. That absolutely knew because mm-hmm. he's seen my Christmas. He knows how that works. And no, 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 no. That's a super spreader. But event. a teacher in a classroom, he's just not familiar no, with that situation. I he can't, can't even imagine can't that. Can't visualize what that layout might be like. He's not the kind of guy who's ever spent any years in a school at all. And then. Mm-mm. No. Too hard the to concern know. that people have, and that's the reason why we say, Chuck, you know, when, when you ask a question, a specific question, it, it, it's appropriate and it's understandable. But there are so many complicated issues, how the teachers feel, how the parents feel about the possibility. What the teachers union wants us to say. Of bringing infection back home. There are so many things there that you need to consider. The thing that we say and Chuck, I've been saying this for months and months, even anti-dating the CDC guidelines. Your grocery store doesn't have to consider these things. No, there's nothing complicated about that. Is that the default position is that we should try to do everything we can to get the children back to school safely for the children and safely for the teachers and other educational personnel. Yeah. And the CDC guidelines try to delineate the steps where you can do just that. How do we get them back to school in a safe way and giving a couple of the guidelines, more than a couple, several of the guidelines of how you can do that? And it's not an easy it's not an easy issue, Chuck. Anybody that says it's easy decision to make, they're not looking at the complexity of it. Yeah. Human beings are involved at the end of the day. That's why we pay some people four hundred thousand dollars to come up with the difficult answers to questions. Right. Uh, And, you know. Oh, yeah, people are involved at the end of the day. Mm, it's more than people being involved because people are involved in everything. And somehow we're not frozen with indecision yes. about whether or not to open grocery stores. 
People need them to right. be open, so they're open. You know, then we're not frozen with indecision about whether or not gas stations should be open. They're just open. That's just how yes. it is. People Walmart, are involved at the end of the day. And some of these has, people are calling from the American Federation of Teachers, and uh, they tell us what to do. Walmart has people involved. Walmart has complexity. And somehow people manage to make decisions to open buildings or not open buildings based on safety. You know, I just, it's so out of touch with what's happening everywhere else in the country that you know, and it's not the teachers themselves necessarily in a lot of cases. In a lot of cases, it's purely the union using this as a tool to get other things that they want. I mean, I forget. I think we did talk about this in the, in the last show, but the, I read that article that was like, well, actually, the schools weren't really safe before COVID either. Yes. Like, oh, OK, great. Then so this isn't about COVID at all. It's really not. I just it's so mind boggling that. You know, the science people can't even answer this question beyond the very anodyne, like, it's very important that we do everything we can to have the schools be open because schools are great and we love children and it's very good for children to be in school. We all want that. And then, like, not do anything. Right. So let's get to back to vaccines. Dana Bash and CNN. So there is some confusion about what that actually means for a person's lifestyle. Uh, after they are vaccinated. I'll give you an example. My parents have already gotten their second dose. They're fully vaccinated. Does that mean it's okay for them to spend time with their grandchildren who obviously have not been vaccinated? What's your recommendation? You know, I, I'm not going to make a recommendation now yeah. except to say that these are things... Not a big answer day for Fauci today. <laughs> ...that we really do. I mean, literally every day, Dano, we look at that, we look at the data, we look at what's evolving about how many people are getting vaccinated and there will be recommendations coming out. I don't want to be making a recommendation now on public TV. I, we want to sit down with the team, take a look at that, and you will be seeing... No, he's not made any recommendations on public TV. So, but I'm going to ask you, do you think part of the reason he now refuses to answer questions is that he's switched his position on every single issue multiple times during this pandemic, so now he's just thinking like oh i've gotten so much flack for like changing my mind about everything or lying about things that you know what i'll just now not give any answers at all this They'll guy, made, this guy has made 160 million <laughs> recommendations over the last year all of these recommendations he is happy to just ruminate right in front of you about what he thinks should happen i don't see a typical christmas happening i don't see i could see one person in one room maybe and we can have this you could do this and that you can he is Mr. Recommendation. That is mm -hmm. what he does. No, now all he does is um, just snowblow uh, for five minutes on each show. Now, and he knows that that's what his main role is in this administration as well. Mm -hmm. His main role in this administration is to not provide any answers, but say lots of words and hope that the American people listen to him and think that they don't understand it because they're dumb, not because he's full of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, why so, are they so scared that people will go back to normal? Because this this administration has no reason to be other than to not be Trump. Mm -hmm. And if they do anything that's at all resembling Trump, like loosening any restrictions ever. Right. Like anything, nothing that can be that's Trumpy can happen. And that's why everything has to be the polar opposite of Trump. That's why we're begging on bended knee. For the Iranians to engage us in discussions so that we can give them nuclear technology. These people who are attacking American soldiers in Iraq right now. Mm -hmm. All because Trump was on the other side of it. 
You know, we're trying to give amnesty to people along the border. And I'm actually blown away, by the way, by how just eager Biden has been to send American troops back to the Middle East after oh, Trump had well, withdrawn yeah. them. It's just bizarre to me. I mean, like, that's like one of the most popular things Trump did was pull American troops out of places where right. they don't have to be. They're just trying to re to retreat to the to January 19th, 2017. Mm-hmm. When the world made sense and there was order and no chaos, even though even though there was Syrian refugees everywhere and well, in oh yeah, well that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, that's the truth of it. Of course, there was complete chaos. We there were was droning ISIS. people left and right. Yes. ISIS was running a mock beheading like, journalists and like no doubt about that. But also, you know, we don't. I don't have the cuts, but I also listened to Chris Wallace today talk to Fauci. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, you know, it, it's interesting because Jen Psaki said something in the press room about um, about uh, vaccinations and returning to school. And President Biden stepped on her message and totally said that was incorrect messaging. Mm-hmm. So he is now stepping on his own press office's message, carefully sculpted messaging. Yeah. Which was the hallmark of the Trump administration. Mm hmm. Was that they would send people out there to defend him, and they would defend him, and then he would immediately stab them in the back by saying something totally different on Twitter, usually. Right. But this, it's... Right. This is Trumpton. (laughs) Relaxation of some of the stringencies as more and more people get vaccinated. I promise you that, but I don't want to really do it right now. Well, just to... um... Why are you here? Why are you on the television? Because we're recording right now. We're looking for the information right now. Now, I don't want to speculate on, on national TV. Well, that's that's this is a speculating on national TV segment that you're invited to. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had you on this. You may be unfamiliar with this concept, but we invite you on and we ask you questions and then you answer them. Right. What does he want to talk about? Can he? T- is this, this going to be like uh, Walensky? Can you? Is only his personal capacity? Maybe he wants more questions about what his favorite food he misses from New York is and stuff like right. that. When Those he, he's good yes, at. Yes, when the Italian guy from Brooklyn answers Nathan's hot dogs from Coney Island, which tells you how long he's been in Washington D.C. That the New Yorker has just gone out of this. Make guy. it personal. I mean, you've been very open about the fact that you've been skipping holidays with your family. You're fully vaccinated. Are you seeing right. your family? Uh, right now, not yet. Not yet. I mean, I would look forward to it within a reasonable period of time as the rest of my family gets vaccinated. I mean, obviously, I'm with my wife every day. Right. She has gotten her first dose, will soon get her second dose. But my children, when they get vaccinated, obviously, I look forward to seeing them. And I'm sure that by that time, recommendations will come out to guide us in a more precise way. Oh, man, I can imagine spending Thanksgiving with this guy when he's the patriarch of the family. And he's, uh, you know, the stem winders he must tell at the end of the table and just <sighs> huge stories about nothing. Uh, on the other, another aspect of the flight, the fight uh, with this COVID is the, the narrative of Andrew Cuomo being a hero is collapsing, as you say, Alice, mm-hmm. say it. Collapsing? Collapsing. It's what's collapsing. Wrong? It's three what's syllables. What's wrong with saying collapsing? Because you make it two syllables. You rob it of a syllable where you are happy to charitably give February the R uh, audibly, collapsing does not get um, the same treatment. Collapsing. Collapsing, correct. (laughs) 
So yes, so Andrew Cuomo's um, his uh, legend is looming large, no more. And so Jonathan Carl asks Jen Saki, you know about Jen Saki, by the way. I think we all do. Our government's now full of folks who are extraordinary, but I'm especially impressed by the new press secretary. She's gained a reputation for her brain in every session. As well as for the way she likes to use one pet expression. Circle back, Jen Saki, circle back. That's your way of saying to the media pack. If a fact's in doubt, you'll go find things out. Circle give back. more details when you circle back. You're no hack, Jen Saki. No, she's no, no hack. hack. You're going to hear her not being a hack right here. When Jonathan Carl asks Jen Saki, if they still think that Cuomo is King Dingling. Okay, I, I want to turn uh, to a, another controversy that, that raged this week. Uh, Andrew Cuomo uh, under fire for um, allegedly not being transparent uh, and misleading uh, on, on, his, uh, on his, the number of nursing home deaths in New York. Uh, last spring, President Biden cited Andrew Cuomo as the gold standard uh, for leadership during the pandemic. Take a listen. Your governor of New York's done one hell of a job. He, I think he's, he's sort of the gold standard. So now we've seen uh, that Governor Cuomo has allegedly undercounted nursing home deaths, misled legislators in New York, and he called uh, uh, New York Assemblyman um, uh, Ron Kim uh, raising questions, um, uh, you know, ba- basically um, uh, threatening to destroy him, I think was his actual words. So does President Biden still consider Andrew Cuomo the gold standard when it comes to leadership on the pandemic? Okay, now hold on. It's a nice yes or no question, so I know that she's no hack. Mm-hmm. Lauren Meyer, who sings that song, tells us she's no hack. Also, I don't want us to be tone deaf here. Mm-hmm. Ron Kim is an Asian man. Mm-hmm. I believe there is a spate of crimes against Asians which are making the news constantly. Right. So Andrew Cuomo... Threatening to destroy him to me sounds like uh, something that we should be concerned about. Right. I think that I have heard that toxic rhetoric directed towards Asian Americans has contributed to the spike in hate crimes against Asian Americans in California. By white supremacists, which Andrew Cuomo is white, I believe. Okay, so let's listen. Is he still the gold standard? Well, John, we work with Governor Cuomo just like we work with governors across the country. He's also chair of the NGA. So uh, he plays an important role uh, in ensuring that we're coordinating closely and getting assistance out to people of his state and to states across the country. And we'll continue to do that. And there, of course, will be a process. The investigations will leave that to others to determine the appropriate law enforcement authorities to determine uh, how that path is going. She's no hack. Yeah, that was the perfect answer to the question is Andrew Cuomo an important political figure in America today? ...to move uh, as we look forward, but we are going to continue to work with a range of governors, including, of course, Governor Cuomo, because we think the people of New York, the people of states across the country, uh, need assistance, uh, not just to get through the pandemic, but to get through this difficult economic time. And that's, that's where our focus remains. No heck. All right, but Jen, my question was, does President Biden still believe that Andrew Cuomo is the gold standard, represents the gold standard on leadership during this pandemic? Just a yes or no. Does he well, John, the, the, the president, the, pre- the president, uh, well, it doesn't always have to be a yes or no answer, John. 
So she uh, just repeated what she said, every word for word <laughs> for that. So she's no hack. That is Jen no. uh, Saki. Perfect. Also, I caught one thing she said there, which is that the Biden administration is committed to providing assistance to people all across the country. But I can think of at least one state that's had some trouble getting some assistance from the Biden administration lately. That is, um, yeah. Well, yeah. There, there is no story there. There is no story about the inaction over Texas. Mm-hmm. The fact that Biden has not been there yet, he may go there. But uh, there is no beat. I mean, I get it that he can't personally turn people's power on. But the Mm -hmm. fact that, um, you know, they were the Texas declared a disaster on like the the 14th and requested one from the Biden administration. They didn't declare it until the 18th. And then they sent 60 generators for the whole state is unbelievable to me. That is crazy. Else, you're not paying attention. There's only one story in Texas. The only one man who could have stopped uh, the uh, freezing mm-hmm. of all the equipment and could have restored hot water and heat to everybody was mm-hmm. Ted Cruz. And he was in um, Cancun, Alice, and ah. he has been brought to bear for that. And mm-hmm. he will never be forgiven. Uh, our girls asked, said, look, school's been canceled for the week. Can, can, can we take a trip and, and go somewhere warm? And, and Heidi and I, as parents, we, we said, okay, sure. And so last night I flew down with them uh, to the beach, uh, and then I flew back this afternoon. I had initially planned to stay through the weekend and to work remotely there. But Heidi and I, as parents, uh, yeah, but one of mm-hmm. the parents is a senator. Yeah, she was also texting all their friends, asking them to come stay with them in the Ritz-Carlton in Cancun. Right, so. which also brings us to another situation here is that that's text messages between a civilian and her friends, which the New York Times mm-hmm. is happy to publish. I know they can't. It's too good to be true. They can't leave their hands off it. Right. But, but, but as I as I was heading down there, I, you know, I started to have second thoughts almost immediately because the crisis. Because he checked because his Twitter feed. Was pointing at you as you boarded the plane and taking pictures of you in the airport right. leaving. That'll that'll bring second thoughts. <laughs> in. It was a dumbass move. It was really it was really dumb politically. It's completely out of touch and a terrible look it's not i mean of course it's not really you know he could have probably done the same things remotely that he could do there but it it would have probably been better for him to stick around and see if he could what he could do if he could be making some phone calls to the biden administration trying to get them to do something the problem is i think like ted cruz genuinely lacks like social skills to see that that was going to be a problem for people until yeah. he was like on it's the plane. It's tough to explain away, though. I mean, I mean, I don't... social skills. This is just p- political street smarts. Yeah, you but... would just no. You know what to do. You go fill up sandbags and freaking yeah. whatever. Hand up jugs of water. Up. Yeah, you know you could even like... throw paper towels if you must. But even like the. The like apology, this like that you just play where he's like, well, you know, our house is really cold and our daughters wanted to go Oof. someplace warm. Like, don't. Yeah. No. Mm. That just like, how does he not see that that's like not the right thing to say? It's just like, my, he's <laughs> it just so bad at this. I don't. It's it really terrible. awful. Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's. And you know, what's also not a small mm-hmm. deal. Leaving Mr. Snowflake home. Oh, the dog? Yeah. He but left- the people were there. His security people and stuff were I know, there. but the you dog don't, was not alone. don't F. That is, the, dog people have one religion, and that is dogs. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. Take Snowflake and throw him in somewhere where it's got <laughs> heat or bring him to Cancun. God. Uh, I mean, it's, 
it's a fair hit on Ted Cruz. The whole thing is a fair hit on Ted Cruz. Oh, it's yeah. Not, um, and is the thing about my daughters of this? Oh, yeah, man. Don't throw your kids under the bus either. It's really just <sighs> I the, don't whole, know. the whole thing and the fact that it was the Ritz. And well, it's only 300 bucks a night. Um, Yeah. I. <sighs> it just seems also like, did he quarantine when he got back? You know, like, isn't he supposed to? Who knows? I don't know. I no, just... he's already had anything, hasn't he? Oh, has he? Is he I one of the ones that had it? But. Well, Fauci or he's still probably have... been vaccinated, actually, from you think? being oh, in right, the government. Right, right, right. They here in Texas, people. you need to be here on the ground. And as much as you can do by phone and Zoom, it, it's not the same as being here. Here's another apology. So, so the question from the video on the cell phone was was whether the decision uh, to go was tone deaf. Look, it, it was obviously a mistake. And in hindsight, I, I wouldn't have done it. Um, but that's a, you know, it's a tough political hit because he's a guy who who plays a part of a tough guy. Mm-hmm. He is happy to give both barrels to his political opposition, and so they are happy to bury him on this one. I mean, even his allies in Washington mm-hmm. don't really like him. He's No, really... nobody likes Ted Cruz. Which is sad. Like, I'm fine I with him. I do like his wife his a lot. She's very, yeah. she's very impressive. But, well, mm. you know what? When, when, you're there, when you're the progeny, Alice, of somebody who is responsible for the death of a president... Um. Then, uh, you know, the apple can't far fall f- too far from the tree. I think, <laughs> and as we know, Ted Cruz's uh, father gunned I mean, down JFK. I feel bad for Ted Cruz, and I read an interesting thread because some people, some Lincoln Project person, was dunking on Ted Cruz for being annoying in the Bush campaign and saying how no one liked him. Um, when Bush won, uh, back in like two thousand, and you know, and somebody kind of went back to the Lincoln Project person and said, like, well, you have this guy who's clearly really talented. Why didn't somebody mentor him? Why didn't somebody say, like, you're rubbing people the wrong way, you've got the wrong attitude, and you need to, like, shape up and be more like mm-hmm. this X, Y, Z. And, like, it's sort of when you think about it in that way, it's, like, a sad story because he's clearly, like, a brilliant guy just I'm, from his I'm education credentials and he worked at SCOTUS and all that. Like, that's... He's, I'm told he's a brilliant guy. I, he really is a he really is a brilliant guy on paper, and like he should be, he should be better than he is. And I don't know why he is the way he is, but it's and I think this is probably politically fatal for like a so. presidential. It's such a good scalp too for the left because this guy's going to be you know if not the front runner in 2024. Did you see Christie dissing him for it? Was too? he really like Christie? There's photos of you on yeah, the beach that great. was shut down by the state. I would that's maybe great. tone it down a little bit. That's great. Oh man. Um, all right. Before we move to. Well, actually, almost everything we're doing is New York-centric today. Uh, This is audio of a protest in New York City. Mm -hmm. This is a protest for the lives of Asian Americans who are under threat Mm -hmm. by white supremacists. So you know it, whose streets are streets, whose streets are streets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, all over the place, there are these uh, protests and this messaging about Asians being uh, being targeted by white supremacists. What I'm assuming this is, Alice, mm-hmm. is is these are Trump supporters who um, have roughly the same physical build that I have. Mm-hmm. These are white people who don't like. Um, who don't like uh, people who are not white anyway, are uncomfortable with them. 
mm-hmm. and who are mad about the um, the pandemic and are mad about co- the coronavirus, which they consider the Wu flu or whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. And so they're beating Asians in the streets because they're um, just bru- brute oafs. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that hasn't totally been the narrative. I mean, there is... Like, one guy that's clearly white in New York that um, got in some fight with an Asian-American woman, but the police haven't called it a hate crime yet, so it's not clear what happened there. Um, but uh, the, that guy was white. But the vast majority of these appear to be African-Americans attacking Asian-Americans, um, especially the ones in but Oakland, California. Um, maybe they've absorbed white supremacist rhetoric. But uh, I'm not sure how it's exactly uh, white supremacy, uh, but in particular, um, the one elderly uh, Asian-American gentleman in California who was killed, um, that that guy who's been arrested is, is a black guy and um, who ran across the street and just like body slammed him to the ground, basically just crazy. I mean, it's unbelievable. And I don't. So, I mean, some of these neighborhoods are like hiring private security now to try and get things under control. Time magazine wants us to know that um, that uh, it, p- more policing is not the answer to this problem, <laughs> which I think if it were really white supremacists, wouldn't they want more policing? I would think so. Like if, so. it, if the Proud Boys attack at the Capitol, yes. If the Proud Boys were attacking ethnic minorities in their communities, wouldn't they want the police on that? But apparently not. More policing isn't the answer, and I believe that's because of the um, uh, ethnic makeup of most of these so-called white supremacists that are attacking Asian Americans. So uh, it's it's an odd situation so how are we going to attack the problem if if these are well we'll march against white supremacy and like people in congress like so there's this um group in congress i forget what it's called it's like for hispanic and black and asian lawmakers to like all work together sort of to like bring their three communities together and they're calling for like solidarity between the black community and the asian american community and trying to remind them that like it's intersectional and it all is part of white supremacy and we all have to like be together and stand in solidarity against the white supremacy that's attacking the asian americans i also noticed that Maybe this is like new lingo or maybe people have always said this and I just didn't notice. But in a lot of cases, people are saying they're like attacks on Asian American elders. Oh, yeah. Have you heard that word used that way before? Oh, um, I like, guess I have. I would. I mean, I've heard of like elder abuse, but I just it seemed like I would say like an elderly person or something. I wouldn't necessarily say elder in that context. I was wondering if I was maybe a new woke thing that we call like older people in communities of color elders because it's like more in touch with whatever um you know you can talk about the elders do you know what i mean yes so like that there's been attacks on our elders that's the sort of stuff that i've heard so i wasn't sure if that was like a new thing it seemed new to me anyway okay i have some one last thing to get to for me alice this is this is a little complicated Okay. But, um, okay. So I was listening to the Blocked and Reported podcast today. It's a great mm-hmm. podcast. So they were talking about another podcast called Reply All. Have you heard of Reply All? Uh, yes, I've heard of Reply All. So the Reply All podcast, and I'm trying to get to it right now, um, is the Reply All podcast is... 
Where is it? It starts. Oh, hold on. Uh, uh, hold on. It is a podcast that started by a website called Gimlet. Okay. And it is. It is. Um, Gimlet is a bunch of. Um, a bunch of. Um, progressives in New York City. You okay. know, total Brooklyn hipster types, whatever. Mm-hmm. You go to Columbia uh, School of Journalism and you come out and you work at some place like this, Gimlet. It's got a lot of money. They have this podcast called Reply All. Mm-hmm. And it is um, it is hosted by a PJ Vogt Vogt okay. and Sruthi Pinamanini. Okay. Uh, so these two people host this podcast. Mm-hmm. And Sruthi... Um, they went probably this, like Shruti. Shru, is it Shruti? Okay, Shruti did this. That's um, unknown people with the name that's pronounced okay. that way. So it's Shruti. Shruti. Uh, they were doing a couple of podcasts and um, journalism reporting on looking back on the Bon Appetit, um, the Bon Appetit situation. Bon Appetit magazine ten years ago mm-hmm. made a change. They became Bon Appetit woke magazine about oh, ten years okay. ago. They hired Adam Rappaport. As the senior editor, and mm-hmm. they said, "Hey, make this Bon Appetit woke magazine." So Bon Appetit uh, decided to go the woke route. Last year, mm-hmm. a picture of Adam Rappaport was found, uh, in which he's wearing—they call it like Puerto Rican face, brown face, or something. Yeah, I don't know. He did something. If it's not a black person, <clears throat> it's brown face. <clears throat> so, so he's a baddie. He's got to go. So they. So okay. So he's got to go. He's canceled immediately. Then they talked to people at Bon Appetit magazine who had worked there mm-hmm. for a long, uh, or try, uh, mostly they talked to temps, people like interns essentially, mm-hmm. who were on freelancers, you know, to whatever. Uh, the, but only people of color. That's what Reply All the Podcast does. It's a very woke podcast. And they find out, they find some harrowing stories of all how horrible Bon Appetit magazine was. It actually mm-hmm. sounds like the Devil Wears Prada a little bit. Okay, and they have they have complaints like the editors wouldn't have lunch with them and talk to them, and mm-hmm. the senior editor, uh, you know, hired people he thought was cool and they weren't good to us. It's you know, etc. So here's a little bit of the Reply All podcast. This is Shruti. Is it Shruti? I mean, I okay. I've this known people her, with that name that's pronounced that way, but talking. I don't know how she pronounced. So her she's name. talking talking about Bon Appetit podcast. Okay, and how awful things were. First of all, a couple things you got to know. Listen to her voice, how freaking millennial and younger she is. Her delivery and some of the things that the, the just just the 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 delivery and the imagery of her language. And the if you're somebody who finds your soul torched by a vocal burn, then this is your warning right now to take your headphones off. It feels wrong. Like I'm telling people that I, as a brown woman, have experienced a racism that is as constant and as oppressive as, say, a black person, which, of course, I have not. It was an ugly snapshot of an ugly place. That's the snapshot of Adam in brown face. Now she discovered that Bon Appetit was rife with racism and the white privilege. As I saw that snapshot, I've spent months talking to all the people of color who worked there, like, Almost all of them. It'll start a decade ago when the man in charge would build this whole place with a fundamental flaw. A flaw whose magnitude wouldn't be obvious to anyone. Least of all, the excited employees of color coming to work there. It was just like 
such a spectacle. Very formal, where, like, Brad put down, like, silverware and, like, different plates. So One editor. <clears throat> so what would happen is, every day, they would use their test kitchen and try different different people would cook. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these young people wanted their... They wanted to cook. The temps, interns, and freelancers. Mm-hmm. I want to cook for Brad and all the editors. I want to cook. But they weren't being picked to cook, even though they were very special people. <laughs> so they weren't being pick, picked to cook. And they didn't like the idea that one, one, you had a white guy cooking Asian meal one day. What the hell was that? That made them upset. And then there was another guy who was a Hispanic guy who they asked to cook a Hispanic dish because he was Hispanic and he was offended. So one person was offended that they weren't asked to cook based on their race. And one other person was offended that he was asked to cook on his race and nationality. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of offended. So who's allowed to make (coughs) dishes from other cultures? Only indigenous. I don't know who is. What can can an American make? Only hot dogs? Bon Appetit made the decision in 2010 to become woke. Mm -hmm. And so they hired woke and they hired temporary woke. And so the woke are offended at every single turn. Known for her refined palate, would periodically just spit out the food that offended her. This is one of the people, the editors, who would have something disgusting <laughs> to do it and would spit it out. Known for her refined palate. Can you imagine that? Oh, my God. There are big foodies at Bon Appetit. It yeah. was, But they found it damaging to them to see, oh, my God, that is so, such a rejection of everything we've done. I'm shocked that Bon Appetit magazine, located in the Freedom Tower in New York City, elite liberal capital of the world, had a-holes working there. <laughs> I know. You know. The editors will come down and like <laughs> hang out in the kitchen, but never really speak to you if you were a freelancer. It was a kind of environment where you just go and do your work, put your head down and leave. Yes, because the That's editors are in upper management and have big things to talk and worry about. And they're not going to speak to some rent-a-hack who hasn't proven their bones. You know, it hasn't, hasn't made their bones yet. What are they going to talk? What do you want? Your Saturday's not talking to you? Well, then do something to get them talking to you. Oh, they didn't speak to us, the editors. They wouldn't speak to the freelancers. What the hell's speaking to freelancers? Nobody's speaking to them. The editors are doing editor things. But they were almost always alone in a sea of white. Yuande, the only black person. Sue, often the only Asian one. Most of the Mexican... A sea of white. My goodness, can you imagine? Recipes that they ran in the magazine were, in his words, idiotic. They were almost all created by white people. So these are the kind of people you bring in there, mm-hmm. and they're all hurt. Yawande graduated from Stanford University, which is, I believe, an Ivy League university mm-hmm. in California. Mm-hmm. And... Her mother went to Stanford, and I believe her grandmother may have even gone to Stanford. Yuande came from a, a upscale private uh, high school as well. I believe Yuande is probably a person of some privilege. But this is her take about her time there at the magazine. And I was like, well, I'm not depressed, actually. I just have a hard time walking around the World Trade Center and seeing people who look like me underrepresented in your offices, but overrepresented as your building staff, like cleaning, cooking for you, like all of these things. And it's like, those are my friends. Those are a lot of my friends at the World Trade Center. And that was 
really getting to me. And that was only 2018. And I had just started there. I was like the freedom tower, my ass. This place is oppressive as fuck. Uh, how many janitors would you say Yolanda is friends with? Um, she's not friends with any janitors or any of the cleaning staff. No. But she came out of Stanford, a an ideologue with a huge self-esteem and ego, and saw the oppression there. I can't believe it. It's a sea of white oppression. Those are probably, first of all, fantastic jobs to have. Any of the mm-hmm. jobs. I'm sure they're probably union jobs as well. But to have a gig- They're probably better than uh, freelancer intern jobs at a major magazine. If, it's, if the Bon Appetit magazine industry is anything like the fashion industry, then- um, they're notorious for essentially not paying people at all. I mean, I I worked at one time in my life at a fashion company, and I had an actual job where I got paid, but we had interns that did not get paid. And I talked to one girl who was like an assistant there. She did actually have a paying job. And she talked about she worked in New York uh, at one point as an intern, and that, you know, you have to have enough wealth to have your parents pay for you to have a place to live right. in New York so that you can have the privilege of showing up every day and getting treated like dirt at a fashion company just so that you can like get your toe in the industry. And people do it. They claw and kill each other to get these stupid gigs that don't pay any money and where they're treated terribly. It's like the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. But um, I would say that probably being on the cleaning staff of the building, you might make more than some of the people who are working in the offices at Bon Appetit. Well, and also, she complained about, and thank you to the Blockton Reporter podcast for bringing this to my attention. She complained about having to clean up a conference room, etc. When you're the new kid, that's what you do. Yeah. You clean up the conference room. You don't get to cook for mm-hmm. the editors. They don't want to talk to you. You have to make yourself valuable. Yeah. I'm reminded you know, of the Noodles kid. Do you remember the right, Noodles kid from the Michael yes. Graham show who worked at the Noodle restaurant and wanted right. the owner to sit down with them so that right. they could run it with him? Right. It, it, it is not a pitch to explain to somebody how special you are. <laughs> that doesn't do anything. These editors have to put out a magazine. And whether it's any job, especially a job in media, let me tell you, in the media, they just want people who can make content and be good soldiers. They don't give a frig. That's it. So if this person mm-hmm. had just cleaned the room like nobody else and made found ways to make the manager, the editor's lives a little bit e- easier, the editors would have said hello. But no, they're too self-important, too mm-hmm. busy looking for... You know, looking for chits for being victims about this or that or this or that or this or that. Looking for racism, sexism, and all these other isms somewhere. Too self-important doing that stuff than to just put the freaking work in, shut up, and get through it. And now they're complaining and, and, and saying, wow, it's all because from the top, because this woke guy, you know, wasn't that, the, the snapshot was just a sign of his other white supremacy and this and why is it always and I'm, I'm defending <laughs> Bon Appetit magazine I'm sure I would never get along with any of these pricks who work there I have nothing to do with those people I don't I, I have nothing to do with it but I'm just saying I mean the, the the idea that you get popped out of college out of an Ivy League school with this sense of entitlement in mm-hmm. no rough skin you're, you're so thin skinned you're not gonna make it anywhere unless of course you all just grab woke torches and have uh, throw a little uh, revolution 
on social media, which is what happens and what happened to the well, right. her, it's her happened boss. to the New York Times. The New York Times but is listen now run this. by Wokies. Listen too. to this, Alice. After this podcast mm-hmm. came out from um, Reply All with mm-hmm. this young lady whose name you know and I can't pronounce. It feels wrong. Like, I'm telling people that I, as a brown woman, have experienced a race. After she and the guy PJ, mm-hmm. who were at Gimlet, which is a successful media organization, put out this second podcast, they've now been canceled. The people inside of Gimlet, their little wokesters said, hey, a couple years ago, we wanted to unionize, and you guys weren't all in for it. You have to go. And now this woman with a vocal burn is now- Trudy's gone too now? Yes, is unemployed. So now they're whacked. Wait, why? Because people wanted to unionize years ago? So- Yes. But this is why you can never- try and buy into the woke stuff because right. you always end up on the at the guillotine yourself yes and you've soon. you've pledged to play by the rules and the rules are if other people feel hurt because of something you did or didn't do then you have to be uh, uh whacked too and so now she vocal burn is now gone and unemployed that's incredible yes this is incredible this is the world we live in ah You can tell your woke stories to us on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod. Uh, you can find us also at Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast. You can send us an email, burnbarrelpodcast at gmail.com. You can talk to us on YouTube. You can watch video versions of our podcast there. We have a whole channel. It's Tom Shaddock's Burn Barrel over there on YouTube. You can like. You can leave comments. You can subscribe to things and write reviews. Two more hogs got the fever. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.